0: He came to me and he said, you'll be all right. And I was immediately infused with love. Every cell in my body was infused with light, liquid light and love. And it was profound. It was amazing.
1: Welcome Janet. Janet Hartson um, is a dear friend of mine and I met Janet um, last year when I had ruptured a disc in my back and I was referred to her by a friend and um, I I started actually doing a one-day journal on my ride home from Janet's and I've been listening to them again and you just um shifted my world which is what i needed <laughs> around um, around pain and around um like releasing pain um, and like i just felt so held by you and your sound bath and the integration that you offer afterwards that um I wanted everyone to meet you so I had Janet helps me do um a women's circle and she led a women's circle with a group of us and Eleanor was there because, yeah it was wonderful <laughs> yeah and um and we're just so happy to have you so I'd love if you would like to um just add um any introduction for yourself of how you would like to present to the world
0: that's always complicated because there are so many aspects of me, right? Um, yeah. as, as there are for all of us. Um, so the Virgo part of me, and I have many planets in Virgo, is a scientist, a researcher, and I love information. um and I love organizing it in different systems. Um, and my particular information that I really enjoy is humanity and what's happening in our heads, in our bodies. and all of that. So I've got a certification in kinesiology, um, NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, which is a, a, a kind of psychology that helps you make some quick changes uh, in your behavior and your thinking, uh, some really elegant techniques to do that. I'm a Reiki master and I love energy work and uh i'm probably forgetting a couple of other things i have a master's degree in spirituality and psychology because i don't think you can really be well psychologically unless you find your your connection to spirit in some way
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. mostly sums it up <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I was also born um psychic i um and i'll tell you some of the stories that i experienced uh of being more than a body
2: mm. Mm. Yeah.
1: can you delineate um what psychic means versus um you know some of the other terms medium and what does it mean for you to be psychic
0: mm-hmm. well I am a medium uh it's just that I can't control when who when um beings come through it's it only comes through in a therapeutic setting like i don't advertise being a medium because it really is only consistent when the client that i'm working with needs it and the spirit needs it for completion
2: mm.
0: so there's a conglomerate of things that have to go together to make that work um i'm also well, Virgos are pretty into truth. And so, um, I'm, I have a little inner lie detector <laughs> <laughs> and people aren't often, they're not usually consciously lying, but sometimes they deceive themselves. And so that's one way that I can nurture someone towards where they really want to be going and what they really want to be talking about. Cause oftentimes clients like just skirt around the issue and, I'll help them go more directly into it um, Mm -hmm. with that little lie detector inside. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) That's what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then
0: I also have, um, well, there's a lot, there's clairvoyant, which is uh, seeing things. There's clairaudient, which is hearing things. There's clairsentient, which is um, knowing things no, I'm switching them. It's feeling things. Mm-hmm. And then cognizant, which is knowing things. And so, um, I'm not clairvoyant. I don't normally see things. I sometimes hear messages, but mostly I just know what I know. And I, and I won't be able to explain that, um, to someone, but I just have this inner knowing that's really strong and, um, can guide me with my own being and and my relationships, whether it's clients or my husband.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> yes. So useful everywhere. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting right into it. I mean, I already have so many questions, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm like ooh, yes. Ooh, I love that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> um, um, teach
1: me your ways. Yeah, that's right.
3: <laughs> well, one question I have is when it comes to like Claire. I guess, intuition and psychic abilities and that like knowing and spirituality, how are the two of them connected for you?
0: Oh, that's an interesting question because I can't see how they could be disconnected.
3: Yeah, I think that's kind of the root of the question, I guess, is like, well, so... Do you attribute your, your knowing to your connection to spirit? Yes. Yeah.
0: And if I'm, if I, and I work always every day, every moment to be as clear as I possibly can to ask myself, is this my stuff? Am I projecting or is this what I'm perceiving on the outside? Um, And, and I have all these little tests to, uh, to figure out. That's one reason why I learned kinesiology, because I can Mm self-test. And that gave me the confidence to realize, oh, uh, yeah, I'm accurate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is working.
2: (laughs) That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. So so then there are clearing prayers, for instance. Um, May any energy that's not mine be given what it needs and sent on to the light. So. if I feel like ambiguous about a message or an idea, then I will clear myself to just make sure because, you know, as an empath, that's also psychic, right? Um, as an empath, I'm picking up information all the time. And sometimes if, um, if I'm tired or hungry or whatever, confused, it might stick to me until I, I release it just like it would stick to someone else.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And when I think of like clearing our energy, I think of, you know, for me personally, a lot of it has to do with the food I'm putting into my body and like what I'm listening to on the TV and all of these different, um, consumptions. Yeah. Consumptions. And one question that's coming to mind right now is for anyone that's, you know, embarking on this journey, which I feel like I was sharing with Jesse and Eleanor right before we started our conversation. I feel like, I personally have this kind of connection that I'm I'm searching um, for a path to deepen the connection and the knowing because it's like I find out after the fact that I was right and that I could I should have trusted it and I knew and all of the things and then I'm like oh my gosh I just need like something to kind of be my catalyst to help me know in those moments, what's actually happening and how to trust that and know what's going on. And so my, one of my questions is like, do you have any advice for anyone like me at the beginning of this? I guess you could say the, I guess, I don't know if it's the beginning or the middle or where I am on this journey, but for anyone that's maybe trying to find more clarity.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're fine tuning. You, 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 into the journey yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's right.
0: sighs> um yes uh sometimes giving ourselves permission to stop a conversation or um tune in just taking a moment makes all the difference
2: mm-hmm.
0: i i remember um I was rushing around and I just couldn't get out the door on time. So I knew I was going to be late, but I just, um, and I'm not a late person. I like being on time or even early. And so I was like, why am I doing this? You know, what's going on? And, and, um, when I finally got out the door, I went by an accident that had just happened. Mm. And I thought that's why. Yeah. Mm there was, there was divine intervention preventing me from being on the road in that moment. Mm. Yes. And, um, and it was, it was blocking my energy from my usual efficient self. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that. So you're not always going to know that that's what's going on. Um, but, and, you know, and I was criticizing myself for it, but then there it was. And I, and and as soon as I saw the accident, it hit me like a bolt of lightning. Of course, that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you know, that's the knowing, right? It just hits you, and you like, oh, there we go.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And of course, that's just a dramatic example of much more subtle things. Like I might say yes to a social engagement and be really excited about it and happy about it, um, but there's a part of me that's like. Mm, I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then later on, someone got COVID or, you know, uh, whatever, something will happen and it doesn't happen. And I think, Oh, that's why that was there. Yeah. So I, I, Saturn, you're, you're saying how, how can I anticipate that? And how can I know, mm-hmm. uh, and trust and, um, repetition is a you know thing. Just practice saying, you know, I, I, I I trust my inner wisdom, but also you're not always going to know ahead of time. Sometimes you just have to fumble around and figure it out later.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I was hearing is it's a practice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Thank you
4: for that. Mm -hmm. And on that note, on it being a practice, I, I wanted to ask you, whether or not you feel that everyone is intuitive and that it's just whether or not they are practiced at tapping into it.
0: Absolutely. I'm taking um, my course, um, discovering inner wisdom and um, decision-making into the prisons. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, because they're not taught to pay attention to their inner wisdom, and I'm going to help them find that place in them that said, ooh, maybe this isn't a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and where that lived in their body and in their souls and um, and how they can tap into more of that. And, and how they can love what they love and move towards that, mm-hmm. even while there's probably those inner programs inside that I can't have that, I'm not good enough, all of that. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Everybody, is this, is this something new for you? Yes, I'm just getting permission now to to go in. Wow. Yes.
1: yes. Awesome work. Yeah. <sighs> this has been your life's work. From um, what I've learned of you through the years, you've done um, you've done these intentional things to help raise um, the awareness and. Mm-hmm. I, you shared a little bit about them in our group, but I'm wondering if you would share about more of them with our listeners.
0: Sure. Um, I started out working with kids with learning disabilities um, and helping them learn how to learn in their own individual ways and compensate for um, the issues that they had. And as I was working with them it was more um one on one um i would find ways to acknowledge their gifts so that they weren't just um focusing on their disability but they were really focusing on their abilities and their um wisdom their own awareness of who they are and um even though it was different than the majority of class um, participants. And then um, I worked with uh, women in a shelter for battered women Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: helping them to understand what their last straw was because they would repeatedly go back to the batterer. And Mm -hmm. so I would work on helping them to understand what the dynamics were that were going on they were causing them to continue, wow. continuously put themselves in that position mm. and um, and that's an NLP technique To um, instead of waiting for your last straw, you just declare it, what's going to be my last straw
1: mm. mm. ah I- <laughs> yes yes, <laughs> yes. Right. That's
4: awesome.
0: Yes. <laughs> it really can be like really that. powerful.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. I, I like that. It, it, it reminds me of declaring that, that it's, this is going to be the last moment. And I'm choosing it. Yeah. Yes. 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 Like this is going to be that I can choose to be a different way right now. Hmm. yeah if I want to mm-hmm. but that's an option mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: and of course then you do the support services you know you you find a place that they can live for a while and I ran that sh- a shelter you know where they could live um it was anonymous so the uh, the men didn't know where it was and um and then we would put other services in place if they had children we'd get child care and um, we'd help them find work, and we'd empower them in other ways. So you know, it's a it was a a comprehensive process. Mm-hmm. That last straw piece is was an important piece.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm so curious about your journey into this work. Was there a moment in your childhood where you feel like you were like aha, or a moment in your life, even into adulthood, that you felt? like you saw maybe the path that you wanted to take or something that impacted some choices that you made that brought you to this work well i was good at reading
0: people mm-hmm. and um helping them feel at ease i um i'm a natural mediator between conflicted people um i grew up in a family of alcoholics. And so my radar, because when you grow up with dysfunction, your radar gets really good. Nice. So um, my radar was excellent. Um, and it's not that I was at risk all of the time, but um being sensitive, I I didn't feel safe a lot of the time. Um, so so having developed that, it just was natural to want to be a counselor or a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so I started down the teacher path. And then I realized that working with that big a group of youngsters was not <laughs> going to work me. And that working one-on-one was really much better. So then I headed in the direction of being a counselor.
1: Mm-hmm totally hmm. and I'm I'm chomping at the bit for you to tell us the story you teased us with um uh, about your I mean I don't want to ruin it so <laughs> if you want to start the way you want to start
0: <laughs> I have so many stories but um I think there's one that is pretty cool so I'm gonna start with that one and then'll I'll go to my near-death experience. Um, when I was five, my mother decided I, um, needed a nap. <laughs> I didn't feel like I did.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, and it was a hot day. And so I was just lying on the covers and, uh, on top of the bed and just, um, zoning out. I think I read a couple books cause I, I love books. Um, and then, you know, that place in between awake and asleep, Mm-hmm. And that's a very intuitive place. Yeah. Um, it's like the dream world is is a is a beautiful place too. Um but I was in that place and I started hearing this buzzing, and buzzing is really key. Pay attention when you hear buzzing, mm-hmm. um, because um sometimes that's a indication that you're going you're changing energy consciousness.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um So I'm hearing this buzzing, and I think it's somebody sawing something in the the distance. Mm. Um, And then all of a sudden, I feel this incredible burst of joy. It's just like happiness totally embraced me and took me in its arms and completely held me. It was just so amazing. And then I realized I'm not seeing through my eyes. And then I realized that the window screen was right here and that I was in the body of a fly.
2: Wow.
0: And as soon as I had the awareness of that, I went slamming back into my body <laughs> and the adrenaline <laughs> because of course, you know, that does, when you have those experiences, it doesn't fit the worldview um, of what life is and what reality is. And so that's why I went zooming back and, um, and then I, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't pay attention to it. I, of course, I had no words. I mean, especially at five <laughs> mm-hmm. to to explain that to anyone. And I was I had already sort of gotten the message that talking about things wasn't was going to kind of fall on ears that didn't understand it or, you know, didn't get it. And so I was a pretty internally oriented person. Um and it wasn't until years later that I, I went,
2: whoa. Mm-hmm.
0: And actually, when I started having other shamanic experiences, um, like I, uh, I went home crying from school one day because I was so frustrated. Um, I was learning history, and they wanted me to recite all these facts and figures around war. And I was asking the um, teacher, well, how do we stop it? How do I, I you know, how do we change that? And, um, and he gave me a, he was so, he was angry with me mm-hmm. for, for not following the curriculum. And he, I, he ended up giving, he had to give me a B cause I earned it, but he gave we, we had attitude grades and he gave me the worst <laughs> attitude grade, <laughs>
1: Wow, because you were curious.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so you can see why my heart was just so um hurt by that because I I do like information. I do want to learn things. I'm very curious. Um, but we were not going in a direction I didn't want to just regurgitate facts and figures. I wanted to change the world. Mm-hmm. So I went home, I'm crying. I go out into the field because nature is my, you know, um my
2: nurture.
0: And um I lie down in the field and I listen to the buzzing of the crickets.
2: Mm.
0: And that buzzing sort of permeated my being. And suddenly I went into the Akashic Records. Mm. And I was asking a question and getting the answer, asking a question, getting the answer. And it was like instant connection with the all-knowing and this petty little issue at school (laughs) just disappeared. It's like, oh, that is so small compared to having access to that, that the records, but, and, and, and there was, there was joy accompanying that. It wasn't just um information, it was liberation, it was freedom, it was it was big, it was just beautiful. Mm. <laughs> um Can you describe what the Akashic records are? Sure. Um well what I know of it is right. <laughs> is, is that um <laughs> <laughs>
1: We know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's an experience. <sighs> yes.
0: So there is a, a unity consciousness. And in that unity consciousness, there is all information. Um, but not not information in, in like the news we watch or something like that. It's it's truth, it's deep embodied truth. And um oh. And when you access that truth, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, that's the best I can do. Sorry, Jessica. Yeah, that's,
1: that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we're not able to describe it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm, buzzing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to change my I'm going to listen for that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I just think about killing a fly now. When that fly is just feeling pure joy. Mm. <laughs> it's like, how can I kill you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: flies don't have egos. We we are unique in that we have egos. And those egos get in our way of a lot of happiness and joy. Yes. And so, yeah, there's this purity in animals and insects and trees and flowers there's this purity because they're not evaluating themselves all the time
3: mm-hmm. yes. Yes. Whoa. yes, yeah we've I mean, mm. fallen out of touch with the laws of nature mm-hmm. totally. I, had
0: a, I had another experience i i um i don't even know if it exists anymore but it was a place called earthworks somewhere in vermont i'm not even mm-hmm. sure where
2: mm-hmm. it was yeah Is
0: well, it, i think it's
4: a morse right yeah i think so
0: Really? Where, yeah. where they build the rocks. The rocks spin. Mm. Oh no, this is different. So oh, okay. It was a farm and um and um it was for people to do workshops to get back to the land and um and reconnect with nature. Mm-hmm. And um oh, maybe, maybe yeah. but, um I thought it'd be a lot of fun, so I went. And we did some meditation and, um, and they talked about their land and their commitment to what they were doing. And then, um, the, at the end they said, okay, now go out and go experience a flower
2: and Mm -hmm. just
0: tune in and meditate with it. And I did. Um, and I was kind of skeptical. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get anything, even, after all those previous experiences. <laughs> 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 so I go, I go out and I find this beautiful Asian poppy, the um, the beautiful orange poppy. I mean, the, the head was like this big. It was just so elegant and in its full vitality. It was just gorgeous. And I sat with it and here again was this pure joy who mm. was, and you know, when you connect with joy, you're also connecting with truth and beauty. It's, it's like, it's all connected because really words can't describe an experience like that because it's our, it's only our brains that have to quantify things. And, um, and, uh, but anyway, so, that was an amazing experience. And that started me on the journey of, um, exploring flower essences.
2: Mm.
0: And, um, I started working with Paralandra flower essences. Mm. Um, that's a woman down in Virginia who, um, started meditating with her vegetables and flowers and, uh, tuning in and seeing how her consciousness interacting with the consciousness of those plants and flowers um could assist them in growing and assist them in um in wanting to give their essence
2: uh, Mm -hmm. in
0: the process of making flower essences and that's where i learned um that you don't pick a flower you ask if you can pick it Mm -hmm. you know that you work you work with a level of reverence that um nurtures both parties Mm -hmm. and so i started making um reclaiming essence uh flower essences reclaiming eden flower essences um that's um and reclaiming eden is the name because i believe that um the fall from the garden of eden was when we forgot that we had everything we needed um, to thrive and to feel whole and healed and um, happy. And that the angels are there to help us reconnect. The fairies are there. The elves, um, n- nature in general, are, are happy to share their love and wisdom when we tune in.
5: Hey, everyone. It's Saturn. And I am so excited to invite you to join the Living Remembrance Retreat that I'm hosting April 21st through the 25th. Living Remembrance is a four-night, five-day immersion I've created for families with children under the age of six based on the teachings shared in Michelin Duclef's book, Hunt, Gather, Parent, What Ancient Cultures Can Teach Us About Raising Happy, Helpful Children. Nestled in the beautiful jungle of Nayarit, Mexico, along the Pacific Ocean, we will come together to remember what it feels like to live in tune with the laws of nature, to play as part of a community, and to hear the calling of our own hearts. Through free expression and felt safety, your children will see themselves as a part of the whole. Parents will have time to connect with one another, practice mindfulness, and loosen the reins that the pressures of society have placed on us. Do you feel the call? Do you know that there are other parents out there just like you who believe there is a better way? This is your invitation to step more fully into the life you want for your family and to reclaim the harmony and power of parenthood. To learn more, go to rebirthcare.com forward slash living remembrance. Rebirth is spelled R E B. E-A-R-T-H rebirthcare.com forward slash living remembrance. See you in the jungle. So
0: then um, when we talked originally, I said I would share my near-death experience. Is this a good time or do you want to do something?
1: This sounds perfect. Mm.
0: My mom died when I was 17 and Three months prior to her dying, she was on the terminal ward with um, a rare form of um, cirrhosis of the liver. It wasn't the alcohol-oriented one, but it, um, it was a, a different one, <clears throat> primary biliary cirrhosis. And they caught it late. So um, she's dying in, in the hospital. My dad is in the hospital. He's had a massive heart attack. <clears throat> and he's died on the table um and they revived him and, and he lived another 9 years but my mom um died and i took care of my 7 year old brother and we got the flu <clears throat> now normally you just get through the flu it's you know you, you suffer but you get through it but when um one is in a grieving process your resources are really greatly reduced you're much more
2: vulnerable
0: to an illness and the aspirin that i was taking um was expired mm. so it wasn't doing any good so um i put my brother to bed for a nap um and i go and i just i'm just too exhausted and too sick to do anything so i just go to bed and i believe i died um and then a form came to me at the time i didn't know who um And I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. And so, but I do think that it was Christ that came. And um, because, well, anyway, um, he came to me and he said, you'll be all right. And I was immediately infused with love. I mean, every cell in my body was infused with light it liquid light and love and it was profound it was amazing and um then i woke up and um there was a thought planted in my mind it wasn't me thinking it um Call your neighbor, Hmm. um, and you know when you when you grow up um, with alcoholics, you grow up very independent. You don't ask for help because you're supposed to keep the secrets. You you know you 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 become very independent, and so um, so that was a novel thought. I hadn't thought of it before. Call a neighbor. So then we called. I called a neighbor, and the neighbor called other neighbors and they started checking in on us um um a, a couple times a day and they brought meals and mm. uh, you know god it's so amazing but there was a doctor that made house calls in Wilder Vermont mm. um back then and it was 1975 and uh he came and gave both of us a uh, penicillin shots and uh took our vitals and then came back a couple of times um after that and and we were fine
2: Wow. Um,
0: Having had that experience um, made me realize a couple of things. One is that, um, well, the other thoughts that were planted in my mind were, it's not your time. Um, And that's very common when when someone is, uh, having a near death experience, they'll be told it's not your time. So what that taught me is that there is a time and I don't know what it is, (laughs) but, um, but it's sort of predestined on some level. Um, and then I also felt forgiveness. I mean, there wasn't really a lot that a 17 year old needs to be forgiven for, <laughs> but, um, there was, I was carrying a lot of burden, um, and a heavy heart and that was all lifted. It was, it was taken away
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, um, it was just amazing experience.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The seventeen-year-old in me is like,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. mm.
3: yeah. It brought up a lot about how we see children in the world and and teenagers, especially. I think we we expect a lot of teenagers and and their ability to be an adult in the world and operate and understand and and there is so much growing still to do, and that permission and that forgiveness I think oftentimes we don't learn that until we're we're older and then we have to go through the healing process of of going back and for and like realizing that we we were innocent and and there's not really anything that we need to forgive ourselves for and that is just such a powerful notion to to remember especially Mm -hmm. at such a young age and to have that insight is so powerful.
0: Mm Yeah. And my dad had a near death experience too. Um, and he, he was in world war II, Um, and he would get drunk and cry and he would say, Janet, they were just boys like me. They were just boys like me. Mm -hmm. Um, he killed people. He had to, that was, um but they were 18-year-old boys just like he was
2: mm-hmm. and
0: that that boy was such a loving sensitive boy um that it became a a burden that he lived with for the rest of his life mm-hmm. until his near death experience Mm. where he felt liberated from his self-judgment and his pain mm. and um he felt that there was ultimate forgiveness and love that he he, he would say there's just love it's it's all love mm-hmm. mm. and uh so so that was a powerful thing to hear from my dad who um, not only had physical wounds like there was sh- shrapnel still in his legs and stuff but had um, those emotional wounds um, and those last nine years he was happy he goes yeah I, I can just sit here and listen to the birds all day
3: <laughs> yes. that's the Akashic record yes. <laughs> we are loved oh, yes. <laughs> just love mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah wow Whew. thank you for sharing those stories yeah so then
0: one of the questions I think we could all ask is if I wasn't afraid of dying how would my life be different
3: mm. yeah. yeah 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 hearing you say you know that you have had this realization that or this feeling that it is somewhat predetermined after hearing that it wasn't your time. It is a powerful like reckoning almost to sit with and just like concept of like, yeah, we don't necessarily, there's, there's a possibility that we aren't, we aren't really making that choice. We don't have anything to do with it. And, and I feel like there's kind of a conscious, like, a collective consciousness coming around about death and, and like grief and how we as human beings are dealing with it and seeing it and coping with it and holding one another in that space. Um, but that is such a big question to, to ask ourselves, like how would our lives be different if we weren't afraid of dying? Because my first instinct is I'm not
5: afraid of dying.
3: And then I'm like, Yeah, you are a little bit. (laughs) There are things you don't want to leave behind. And it's, you know, it is such a massive, like,
1: that is a good question. I think the way I lived in my um, teens and 20s was very... um, adrenaline seeking risky. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of had that reminder quite frequently of like <laughs> how grateful I was to be alive, mm-hmm. um, of meeting. And one time in, in particular, I remember getting lost in the Yellowstone woods. I had to climb a fence to camp, illegally camp out to save like 30 bucks. <laughs> 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 and. <laughs> I um, Don't do this, kids. got lost in the Yellowstone um, woods and um, basically it was so dark. I just kept running into trees and I just had to lay down and be like, I'm okay to die. Mm. And I, like, I came to that realization that night because the fear was so not <laughs> helpful <laughs> that I like moved into that space. And the next day I woke up with this, just like, My God, I'm alive. (laughs) I was never
3: like, I was always like, I don't mind. I could die right now and that'd be fine. I just hope my dog dies with me. Like this was my like whole MO for so much of my life until I became a mother. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. I remember looking at my partner and saying, well, I'm not so okay with dying anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was a big shift for me. It was a very conscious shift too. And so now I'm almost like at a re, um, what was the word be for that? Like navigating. Yeah. Asking those questions again. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would your life be different?
0: Or do you have any fear around dying? I don't. Um, I actually have a deep grief because I remember being an energy being and free from being in a body and free from ego and all this conflict and drama that seems so foreign to me. And just all I want is unity consciousness. And there's so much divisiveness. It's, Mm -hmm. it's like, so crazy. Mm-hmm. So there's a part of me that's very attracted to dying because I have a feeling I know what's on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, I talk to people who have died, and I have a sense that they're liberated and and they're um, they're coming back to serve um, a loved one that maybe they hurt and they want to heal, help heal. Um, mm-hmm but that most of the time they're just free beings and they're in soul school and they're learning and growing. And, um, I don't feel that there's ever any judgment. Um, I do, I am, I am as good a person as I possibly can. I feel like being good is important. Um, but I do feel like we're forgiven for whatever mistakes we make. Cause we're in we're in this we're mutating we're human growth and we're trying to grow and learn and change and um and we're the only ones that have um judgments on right and wrong in some ways um
4: Mm so yeah and and that that kind of leads me to the other question that that came up in my mind, aside from how would you live your life if you um, weren't afraid of dying, but what? how would you live your life if you lifted that self-judgment? Mm-hmm. Um, or how would you live your life if you knew that you were loved, mm-hmm. that you were truly unconditionally loved, every single moment, that there's nothing that you could do about that, that that was so constantly there. And you just knew it.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Cause you just, you just put into words what, what I, I get to feel
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: because I know that if in that moment I had that unlimited love in every cell of my body, I know that that, that was the, most true thing I've ever experienced. And um, once you experience something like that, it never goes away. You know, you are forever changed by, by that, but you can also be forever changed by a conversation like this as well, Mm -hmm. because it it shifts our awareness of what's real and what's true and what's possible.
3: Mm -hmm. I remember you reminded me of a conversation I had with my grandmother as a child. I was in Christian school and I asked her, grandmother, are, Grandma, are you saved? And she said to me, no, honey, I'm not saved. And I said, Grandma, and I remember like I almost cried. I was so upset because as a child, I was taught that if you're not saved, you're going to hell. I said, you have to be saved. And she says, well, honey, I think that you just have to be good. And those words have stuck with me my entire life and have have guided me through so much of my journey in religion and spirituality and for a long time i was so concerned about my grandmother and then as i transitioned into a more spiritual path i like celebrated my grandmother for those words
2: mm-hmm.
3: and it's so true you know we are the only ones that define and i think this has been my my hardship with religion is that there's anyone that's like that one this creator has created all of this to only condemn like a like a portion of what they've created. It doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And it's it's always been kind of perplexing, but I think it really does just come back to being good. And part of me battles with what that means because it's like, you know, when I define good, the way that I define good is not harming others or not intentionally harming others is really, this really the important part of it is that you're not intentionally harming others. Because I think even if we're doing our best, we're going to harm, we're going to hurt someone's feelings. We're going to do things that feel harmful to others, but it is this really interesting place. I think that we're in where we label things good and bad, right. And wrong. And it's all from our own perspective, perception and our own opinion. And when it, it, it does, it just comes from our heart. And I, you know, I think that your work in the prisons is amazing because I don't believe that those people have, you know, like I believe that murderers are in there somewhere, like are kind and compassionate and good people that have just been misled and have, are partners. confused and have been hurt. And just like need love Mm -hmm. and I don't know I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak to this because I think really what it is is just like kind of getting out of our own heads about our opinion of what is right and wrong and what is good and bad and kind of seeing it as more of a like harmonious existence Mm -hmm. and how we are trying to live within
1: that framework and you remind me of um I'm not going to be able to recall it right now, but um, a tribe where when someone steals or hurts or mm-hmm. you know in um, our world breaks a law, they are brought circled around, yeah, and they're like poured love into, and you know what do you need? Mm-hmm. Um, what are you lacking? And I just imagine if we we have been so punitive for those that are hurt. Um, and judgmental and you know, it's not why the addiction, it's why the pain and here we are judging, ostracizing um, people in pain people hurting mm-hmm. and if we could circle around and ask them what they need
3: well, I was just reading about that there's I don't know if it's the same tribe but when a woman feels that it's her time to conceive a baby She goes under a tree and she sits and she waits until she hears the song of this being. And once the song comes through, then she teaches it to her partner. And when they conceive this baby, they sing this song. And then they sing this song to the child as the child is growing up and the community members learn this song and they're all singing this song. And it's that one person's song. And when that person does something that's hurtful or harmful or wrong, with quotations, for those that are listening, everybody circles around this person and sings them their song so that they can remember their true essence and who they are. Because when it comes down to it, it's really that we've just lost touch with our truth and who we are and our core essence. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
3: And I thought that was so beautiful. It's and I'm so like, beautiful. oh my gosh, what's my song? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what is my
4: song? I'll sing it to you. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and your song is love, and your song is love, and my song is love, and your song is love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, oh, that...
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I had read that too, and I wish I knew the source because it is such a beautiful story.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. Yeah. And
0: then there's the um, um the word Umbuto I think which is um uh, I think um there there was a a race and and um one kid went back and got got the other kid and um helped him across the finish line. No, I'm I'm combining two stories. Mm. but um it was but the the theme was that um you you don't um you can't win um you can't achieve unless everybody's achieved that, mm-hmm. that everybody has to be with you um that you don't leave anybody behind mm-hmm.
1: yeah yes yes
3: mm-hmm. and it's remembering that there is good in the world that people are innately good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think so many of us, like, I know so many people that live in a state of paranoia that everyone in the world is, or that the majority of the world is, you know, criminal and trying to steal from you and like, has the intent to do harm. And it's this, it's kind of, it's a, it's a totally wild place to exist. And it exists in a lot of people's realities. And I think it just, you know, it's a, It's a powerful move in the collective to remember that people are innately good and that we all are connected to source.
0: I think in some ways you are, you're describing hell. I think that's, we don't die and go to hell. We we live here in hell unless we heal. Right. Um, And we kind of create our
3: own hell with our limited thinking. Mm -hmm. I know I always get so like but is that divine order you know because I like was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about palm leaf readings and she was saying how if you have a palm leaf it means you're in your second to last or last lifetime and if you aren't then you won't have the you won't be called to find your palm leaf and if you don't know a lot about palm leaves I would suggest just researching it because I don't want to like mess up all of the information about palm leaves, but basically there's this community of, of um, well, see, this is why I don't want to go into it too much because I don't want to mess it all up, but there is wisdom written on these palm leaves and it's been inscribed here for for a really long time and, and they go out and they find your palm leaf and they do a reading for you and it's a very in-depth reading. They like know your name, they know everything about you. It's really incredible, but you don't have a palm leaf unless you're in your last life or your second to last life. And what she was saying about how you only look for your palm leaf if you're in one of those lifetimes was so fascinating because then we started talking about religion and how so many people don't find their palm leaves because they get caught up in religion and this is Satan's work and so on and so forth. And in my mind, I was thinking right? But isn't this the life path of this lifetime? Like this lifetime, if it is indeed predetermined, would not lead us to our palm leaf. Instead, it would lead us down the path of religion so that we don't find that palm leaf because we're not meant to find that palm leaf yet. So when I Mm. think of this like living hell, part of it is like, are we creating that in like a past life or in this life or is this just like part of our journey in this say predetermined web of lives that we are moving through on in this plane and of course that's like a massive question that none of us really know the answer to or maybe someone does and I don't know who that is but yeah, this is like the the ruminating question for me over the past forty eight hours is Are we choosing this or is this just the path that's been chosen for us? And, I, and of course, it's coming up in our conversation with you today. But, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, um, I think I think that we. My my perception, my belief is that we we do choose the lessons we are going to be learning um, and the, kit, the the souls we'll be learning them with. Um, and, but, and so some things are predetermined there, but we have free will. Yeah. And so we get to make a decision that might take us longer yeah. to get to, you know, the lesson. Um, we can change it. Yeah. We can change it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for me when you say the the living hell piece it's like when I am in judgment um of myself um which often usually leads to judgment of others is um it's it's pretty constant and um the judgment itself is this contraction in my body and I physically like contract Because of the judgments, because judgments are so contractive um, and that causes pain. Mm -hmm. And so it's this like, not fun place to be. (laughs) And that to me is the living hell because it's like, oh, when I heal that, when I start to love myself more and, you know, move out of judgment, um, there's less pain. There's, you know, there's more presence and, Enjoy. and joy and like yeah and less limitations mm. yeah
2: mm-hmm. mm.
0: in kinesiology there's a exercise that um i do to introduce people to it and um one of the things that we do is um muscle tests strong or weak basically um and then um you send one person out of the room, um, so you have you have a, a surrogate tester that's testing the energy of a variety of people in the room, um, and so you send one person out of the room, and then um, you either send them positive thoughts and and talk about positive qualities in them, or you talk about your judgments of them, mm. and you mess, muscle test um, the the people that are judging, and they also go weak and
2: mm-hmm. then
0: you call in the person if if it if they're judging um you call in the person and that person goes weak
2: mm-hmm. and then
0: if you are um positive and compassionate towards the person they come in and they're they're strong
1: and mm-hmm. so are
0: you and so you you begin to realize that we are all connected and so what you think you're putting out you are also taking in and there's no separation between those And so if I'm, um, if I'm to be compassionate towards myself and create a living heaven or, a a happy, healthy, holistic place in my world, then compassion goes out and it goes in. It's both, you know, anytime I have a judgment, I'm constricting, um, just like Jesse said, and, and that, um, and that creates pain, whether it's emotional, um, or physical, it's, or both. Mm-hmm. And so that's a great way to demonstrate, hey, you know, you have a choice about whether you feel good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, one of the things I learned also is if I have a teacher, um, and it, too bad I didn't know this as a kid, right? If I have a teacher and they're, um, they're really not teaching me, they're, they're not having a good day, you know, then um, you just, you charge them up, you send them. Positive energy, and you and you can actually see sometimes that they it uplifts their message and it uplifts them.
3: Just thinking of my toddler, yeah, I'm passing (laughs) (laughs) out. I'm like, okay, all right, this is a this. I mean, it makes sense for so many of the things that you know. There's this big movement in parenting that is like gentle parenting, and what it is is it's basically like when your pot when your child is acting up, you just lift them up. Yes, you just tell them how wonderful they are and you hug them and you love them and you dance with them. And even if they're just like on the floor throwing a temper tantrum or they're trying to hit you or they're telling you they hate you or whatever it is, see, they're good good and lift them up. And -hmm. of course it can be really hard to do. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that came up with is like, there's no denying when you feel that shift in a space of people you feel it. Mm -hmm. And like, even if you don't consider yourself intuitive or an empath or sensitive, you can look at the faces of people in the room and see if somebody starts sharing something that is sad, everyone in the room feels that sadness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there's just a collective shift when even one person in the space, even if it's like a quiet shift, you know, there's just no denying that. And I love that example. And I'm like way intrigued by kinesiology
1: right now. I'm like,
3: okay. yeah,
1: That sounds amazing. And I I think about sharing that with our kids too. So that when, like you said, when they feel like, Oh, this is, this is my day. I have to be led by an adult. Like, you know, it happened to me the other day when Lucy needed something and I wasn't present enough for her to hear it. And that like, Oh, something you can do in the future, if that happens again, is just charge me up <laughs> yeah. and I can be more present for you.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm.
3: with our friends and our mm-hmm. parents and all of the places we find the most challenge. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yeah. I, I like to teach little kids young um, some of the tricks. Um to uh, create balance. Do do you want me to go through a couple of those? Yes, sure. Okay. So one is like more than 3000 years old and a lot of people teach it in yoga. Um, I might teach it a little differently than than that, but um, basically it's alternate nostril breathing. So want to do it with me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Block one nostril and inhale. Switch and exhale. Inhale, same nostril. Switch and exhale. Inhale, same nostril. Switch and exhale. Inhale, same nostril. Switch and exhale.
2: Any feel? <laughs> 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 mm,
4: they needed that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so um you can teach kids that um and it'll settle their energy. Then there's like all the brain gym stuff. So you can teach them um one hand on their belly button and uh the other hand on their brain buttons. This is called brain buttons, and they rub the brain buttons. And then they rub under the collarbones. Hmm.
2: Hmm.
0: And then they rub their tailbone.
4: Hmm. I that we are all rubbing our tailbone. Yeah. Can you hear
0: her? Yeah. <laughs> sure the cats like it the best, right? Between the ears and uh, and the tail. Yeah. <laughs> So so those two are are pretty powerful ways to switch energy, obviously, because you can feel it right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then, um, the other thing that I think comes up probably more often than anything else in, in my work with, in my sessions with people is, um, the divine spark, the spark of the divine correction, which is, um. I have a a black um, piece of paper and I put it in front of the person. And if the muscle goes weak, um, they need that correction. And it is that they're forgetting that they're divine, that they can't be disconnected from the divine. So I think the biggest problem in humanity is the idea of separation. Mm
2: -hmm. And,
0: you know, you can learn all sorts of things like quantum physics and the holographic universe. And in the holographic universe, a piece of something contains the whole, like a cell of something contains all of the information in the whole thing. And so you can't be separate um, from the divine because we come from that. We've come from the divine, just as we can't be separate from the planet because we come from the planet. So, those two illusions of separation from nature and from the divine really are kind of the foundation of the problems in humanity. Mm. If we connected into both of those places, we'd, we'd be a lot better off.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, I've heard, I've heard it um, related to that we are orphans, um, that we have forgotten, um, you know, through the fall of religion that we are orphans, you know, um, what do I believe in now? Um, and it's, it's having to strip away, um, some of the things about religion that, um, got in the way of our own connection Mm -hmm. with divine, but remembering that it's, it's, it's still, it's still the same thing just without all of the other (laughs) stuff put onto it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so much of our lifetime is about unlearning things that we learned that don't serve us. Yeah. Yes. So let's do the spark of the v- divine for a moment. So you just uh, go in um, into your awareness of your body and find where that spark lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you allow it to grow and expand. And you feel the vitality and the vibration of it. Increase and with each breath, it becomes bigger and more powerful and more beautiful until it's throughout your entire body and radiates out to others. I moved kind of quickly because we're recording here. Um, but I'm also qu- pretty quick at going through stuff because I'm used to it. So,
2: mm.
0: yeah. But that's the spark of the divine. And then normally I take that um, black piece of paper and muscle test. And normally the um, person holds strong. So mm-hmm. it's that um, it strengthen us strengthens us to know that we're part of a unity consciousness that um holds us and ties us and supports us all together yeah that we're not orphans that we're not separate yeah
4: yes. alone right right and and that to me was the definition of hell is 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 that that separation that loneliness yeah yeah well just that, that yeah the the loneliness we can feel being separated from community of course but then just but the the ultimate like that that separation from source Mm -hmm. from consciousness Mm -hmm. um and that that the further and further away the more and more separated you feel the more hellish Mm -hmm. it becomes
2: yeah yeah
0: And the more you can treat other people badly because you don't understand that connection that you're doing it also to yourself.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 What we do upon ourselves is what we do to others always.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Hurt people hurt
1: people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Janet, this has been incredible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And my body feels full of divine cells right now so thank you (laughs) um and we usually close with um what you are celebrating right now
0: oh well so much
5: (laughs) yeah I have a feeling
1: (laughs)
0: um I'm celebrating that we made it through January which is not my favorite month (laughs) um I'm celebrating that I am going into the the um, prison and uh, exploring t- um, what that's going to be like. I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. I'm in a um, I'm in a chorus um, where we are singing um, concerning Matthew Shepard, which is an incredible piece of um, choral music that mm-hmm. um, is painful and beautiful and uh, goes back and forth. That's amazing. And um, it's the first time I miss, I've am been able to sing in a group since COVID. So um, that's really amazing. When the harmonies are, are hit, you know, it's like, That's unity Ah. consciousness. That's heaven to me. Yes.
2: (laughs) I feel that.
0: (laughs) And then I'm also celebrating my husband put out his song in Vermont. Um, If you haven't heard it yet, it's amazing. He made a video um, and it's kind of reggae style and it's really upbeat and it's got people from our community in it. And, um, it's really fun. So, um, And that's, uh, that surpassed a thousand, um, views. So, um, that's the, it's going and it's catapulting out there. It's so fun.
3: That's awesome. We should link it. Yeah. We'll link it in the show
1: notes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to hear it. Mm -hmm. And is there anywhere, um, would you like to tell our listeners where they can find you? Um,
0: sure. I mean, they they can go to, to, um heartsons.com basically is my website so it's h-e-a-r-t-s-o-n-s.com
1: the perfect name
0: (laughs) 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 well that's another synchronicity when i was 14 i wanted to name myself heart song
2: oh it was close just
3: no G, but that's okay.
0: Right? Wow.
3: That's awesome. Wow, I was talking with some friends yesterday and we were, we were having like a, a tiny prayer circle and we were putting in our prayers. And then we were joking afterwards about how you have to be really specific when you pray because, you know, source has a funny sense of humor and she was sharing how in a circle she had prayed for a chocolate man and she is from Mexico and she was thinking like a tan skinned man and he had also prayed for a home and they found each other at a ceremony and he said, oh yeah, I make chocolate. Whoa. <laughs> and she was like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> and her name means home.
5: And they oh found
3: each other, and it's the most beautiful and funny and like Ooh, amazing that. thing. That's such a beautiful thing. <laughs> so be careful with you for and be yeah. specific. <laughs> oh.
4: <laughs>
3: thank you so much, Janet. Yeah, it's been a you. real pleasure.
4: Mm-hmm. It's
3: great to see you all.
4: Me yeah. too. Me too. Thank you for listening to the Teaching Your Ways podcast with Eleanor, Jesse, and Saturn. This is a labor of love.
1: Wow. What a privilege it is to have you all here on this journey with us, listening and taking your time to join us on this journey we are on. Um, We get to hear fabulous stories from amazing people and your participation, your... um, commitment to being here and taking the time out of your day to listen means the world to us
3: Mm, yeah and we would so appreciate if you would take the time to rate us to give us some stars on spotify or leave a comment or follow and subscribe to share this podcast with loved ones because we all know that every single time this podcast is shared it reaches a few more people and that means the world to us and we just want to thank you again for your time for your feedback for your inspiration and for
1: sitting in circle with us this podcast is a living practice and we are so grateful to have you on this ride with us
4: many blessings Oh